Chapter Ten of the Chimney Corner by Harriet Beecher Stowe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter Ten: What are the sources of beauty in dress? The conversation on dress which I had held with Jenny and her little covey of birds of paradise appeared to have worked in the minds of the fair council for it was not long before they invaded my study again in a body they were going out to a party but called for jenny and of course gave me and mrs crowfield the privilege of seeing them equipped for conquest latterly i must confess the mysteries of the toilet rites have impressed me with a kind of superstitious awe only a year ago my daughter jenny had smooth dark hair which she wreathed in various soft flowing lines about her face and confined in a classical knot on the back of her head jenny had rather a talent for a coiffure and the arrangement of her hair was one of my little artistic delights she always had something there a leaf a spray a butter blossom that looked fresh and had a sort of poetical grace of its own but in a gradual way all this has been changing jenny's hair first became slightly wavy then curly finally frizzly presenting a tumbled and twisted appearance which gave me great inward concern but when i spoke upon the subject i was always laughingly silenced with the definitive settling remark oh it's the fashion papa everybody wears it so i particularly objected to the change on my own small account because the smooth breakfast-table coiffure which i had always so much enjoyed was now often exchanged for a peculiarly bristling appearance the hair being variously twisted tortured woven and wound without the least view to immediate beauty or grace but all this i was informed was the necessary means towards crimping for some evening display of a more elaborate nature than usual mrs crowfield and myself are not party-goers by profession but jenny insists on our going out at least once or twice in a season just as she says to keep up with the progress of society and at these times i have been struck with frequent surprise by the general untidiness which appeared to have come over the heads of all my female friends i know of course that i am only a poor ignorant bewildered man-creature but to my uninitiated eyes they looked as if they had all after a very restless and perturbed sleep come out of bed without smoothing their tumbled and disordered locks then every young lady without exception seemed to have one kind of hair and that the kind which was rather suggestive of the term woolly every sort of wild abandon of frowsy locks seemed to be in vogue in some cases the hair appearing to my vision nothing but a confused snarl in which glittered tinklers spangles and bits of tinsel and from which waved long pennants and streamers of different colored ribbons i was in fact very greatly embarrassed by my first meeting with some very charming girls whom i thought i knew as familiarly as my own daughter jenny and whose soft pretty hair had often formed the object of my admiration 
now however they revealed themselves to me in coiffures which forcibly reminded me of the electrical experiments which used to entertain us in college when the subject stood on the insulated stool and each particular hair of the head bristled and rose and set up as it were on its own account this high-flying condition of the tresses and the singularity of the ornaments which appeared to be thrown at haphazard into them suggested so oddly the idea of a bewitched person that i could scarcely converse with any presence of mind or realize that these really were the nice well-informed sensible little girls of my own neighborhood the good daughters good sisters sunday school teachers and other familiar members of our best educated circles and i came away from the party in a sort of blue maze and hardly in a state to conduct myself with credit in the examination through which i knew jenny would put me as to the appearance of her different friends i know not how it is but the glamour of fashion in the eyes of girlhood is so complete that the oddest wildest most uncouth devices find grace and favour in the eyes of even well-bred girls when once that invisible ineffable aura has breathed over them which declares them to be fashionable they may defy them for a time they may pronounce them horrid but it is with a secretly melting heart and with a mental reservation to look as nearly like the abhorred spectacle as they possibly can on the first favourable opportunity on the occasion of the visit referred to jenny ushered her three friends in triumph into my study and in truth the little room seemed to be perfectly transformed by their brightness my honest nice lovable little yankee fireside girls were to be sure got up in a style that would have done credit to madame pompadour or any of the most questionable characters of the time of louis fourteen or fifteen they were frizzled and powdered and built up in elaborate devices they wore on their hair flowers gems streamers tinklers hummingbirds butterflies south american beetles beads bugles and all imaginable rattle-traps which jingled and clinked with every motion and yet as they were three or four fresh handsome intelligent bright-eyed girls there was no denying the fact that they did look extremely pretty and as they sailed hither and thither before me and gazed down upon me in the saucy might of their rosy girlhood there was a gay defiance in jenny's demand now papa how do you like us very charming answered i surrendering at discretion i told you girls that you could convert him to the fashions if he should once see you in party trim i beg pardon my dear i am not converted to the fashion but to you and that is a point on which i didn't need conversion but the present fashions even so fairly represented as i see them i humbly confess i dislike oh mr crowfield yes my dears i do but then i protest i'm not fairly treated i think for a young american girl who looks as most of my fair friends do look 
to come down with her bright eyes and all her little panoply of graces upon an old fellow like me and expect him to like a fashion merely because she looks well in it is all sheer nonsense why girls if you wore rings in your noses and bangles on your arms up to your elbows if you tied your hair in a war knot on the top of your heads like the sioux indians you would look pretty still the question isn't as i view it whether you look pretty for that you do and that you will do what you please and dress how you will the question is whether you might not look prettier whether another style of dress and another mode of getting up would not be far more becoming i am one who thinks that it would now mr crowfield you positively are too bad said hummingbird whose delicate head was encircled by a sort of crepey cloud of bright hair sparkling with gold dust and spangles in the midst of which just over her forehead a gorgeous blue butterfly was perched while a confused mixture of hairs gold powder spangles stars and tinkling ornaments fell into a sort of cataract down her pretty neck you see we girls think everything of you and now we don't like it that you don't like our fashions why my little princess so long as i like you better than your fashions and merely think they are not worthy of you what's the harm oh yes to be sure you sweeten the dose to us babies with that sugar plum but really mr crowfield why don't you like the fashions because to my view they are in great part in false taste and injure the beauty of the girls said i they are inappropriate to their characters and make them look like a kind and class of women whom they do not and i trust never will resemble internally and whose mark therefore they ought not to bear externally but there you are beguiling me into a sermon which you will only hate me in your hearts for preaching go along children you certainly look as well as anybody can in that style of getting up so go to your party and to-morrow night when you are tired and sleepy if you'll come with your crochet and sit in my study i will read you christopher crowfield's dissertation on dress that will be amusing to say the least said hummingbird and be sure we will be here and mind you have to show good reasons for disliking the present fashion so the next evening there was a worsted party in my study sitting in the midst of which i read as follows what are the sources of beauty in dress the first one is appropriateness colors and forms and modes in themselves graceful or beautiful can become ungraceful and ridiculous simply through inappropriateness the most lovely bonnet that the most approved modiste can invent if worn on the head of a coarse-faced irish woman bearing a market basket on her arm excites no emotion but that of the ludicrous the most elegant and brilliant evening dress if worn in the daytime in a railroad car strikes every one with a sense of absurdity whereas both these objects and appropriate associations would excite only the idea of beauty so a mode of dress obviously intended for driving strikes us as outre in a parlor and a parlor dress would no less shock our eyes on horseback in short 
the course of this principle through all varieties of form can easily be perceived besides appropriateness to time place and circumstances there is appropriateness to age position and character this is the foundation of all our ideas of professional propriety and costume one would not like to see a clergyman in his external air and appointments resembling a gentleman of the turf one would not wish a refined and modest scholar to wear the outward air of a fast fellow or an aged and venerable statesman to appear with all the peculiarities of a young dandy the flowers feathers and furbelows which a light-hearted young girl of seventeen embellishes by the airy grace with which she wears them are simply ridiculous when transferred to the toilet of her serious well-meaning mamma who bears them about with an anxious face merely because a loquacious milliner has assured her with many protestations that it is the fashion and the only thing remaining for her to do there are again modes of dress in themselves very beautiful and very striking which are peculiarly adapted to theatrical representation and to pictures but the adoption of which as a part of unprofessional toilet produces a sense of incongruity a mode of dress may be in perfect taste on the stage that would be absurd in an evening party absurd in the street absurd in short everywhere else now you come to my first objection to our present american toilet its being to a very great extent inappropriate to our climate to our habits of life and thought and to the whole structure of ideas on which our life is built what we want apparently is some court of inquiry and adaptation that shall pass judgment on the fashions of other countries and modify them to make them a graceful expression of our own national character and modes of thinking and living a certain class of women in paris at this present hour makes the fashions that rule the feminine world they are women who live only for the senses with as utter and obvious disregard of any moral or intellectual purpose to be answered in living as a paroquet or a macaw they have no family ties love in its pure domestic sense is an impossibility in their lot religion in any sense is another impossibility and their whole intensity of existence therefore is concentrated on the question of sensuous enjoyment and that personal adornment which is necessary to secure it when the great ruling country in the world of taste and fashion has fallen into such a state that the virtual leaders of fashion are women of this character it is not to be supposed that the fashions emanating from them will be of a kind well adapted to express the ideas the thoughts the state of society of a great christian democracy such as ours ought to be what is called for example the pompadour style of dress so much in vogue of late we can see to be perfectly adapted to the kind of existence led by dissipated women whose life is one revel of excitement and who never proposing to themselves any intellectual employment or any domestic duty can afford to spend three or four hours every day under the hands of a waiting maid in alternately tangling and untangling their hair powder paint gold dust and silver dust 
pomatums cosmetics are all perfectly appropriate where the ideal of life is to keep up a false show of beauty after the true bloom is wasted by dissipation the woman who never goes to bed till morning who never even dresses herself who never takes a needle in her hand who never goes to church and never entertains one serious idea of duty of any kind when got up in pompadour style has to say the truth the good taste and merit of appropriateness her dress expresses just what she is all false all artificial all meretricious and unnatural no part or portion of her from which it might be inferred what her creator originally designed her to be but when a nice little american girl who has been brought up to cultivate her mind to refine her taste to care for her health to be a helpful daughter and a good sister to visit the poor and teach in sunday schools when a good sweet modest little puss of this kind combs all her pretty hair backward till it is one mass of frowsy confusion when she powders and paints under her eyes when she adopts with eager enthusiasm every outre unnatural fashion that comes from the most dissipated foreign circles she is in bad taste because she does not represent either her character her education or her good points she looks like a second-rate actress when she is in fact a most thoroughly respectable estimable lovable little girl and on the way as we poor fellows fondly hope to bless some one of us with her tenderness and care in some nice home in the future it is not the fashion in america for young girls to have waiting maids in foreign countries it is the fashion all this meretricious toilet so elaborate so complicated and so contrary to nature must be accomplished and is accomplished by the busy little fingers of each girl for herself and so it seems to be very evident that a style of hair-dressing which it will require hours to disentangle which must injure and in time ruin the natural beauty of the hair ought to be one thing which a well-regulated court of inquiry would reject in our american fashions again the genius of american life is for simplicity and absence of ostentation we have no parade of office our public men wear no robes no stars garters collars etc and it would therefore be in good taste in our women to cultivate simple styles of dress now i object to the present fashions as adopted from france that they are flashy and theatrical having their origin with a community whose senses are blunted drugged and deadened with dissipation and ostentation they reject the simpler forms of beauty and seek for startling effects for odd and unexpected results the contemplation of one of our fashionable churches at the hour when its fair occupants pour forth gives one a great deal of surprise the toilet there displayed might have been in good keeping among showy parisian women in an opera-house but even their original inventors would have been shocked at the idea of carrying them into a church 
the rawness of our american mind as to the subject of propriety in dress is nowhere more shown than in the fact that no apparent distinction is made between church and opera house in the adaptation of attire very estimable and we trust very religious young women sometimes enter the house of god in a costume which makes their utterance of the words of the litany and the acts of prostrate devotion in the service seem almost burlesque when a brisk little creature comes into a pew with hair frizzed till it stands on end in a most startling manner rattling strings of beads and bits of tinsel mounting over all some pert little hat with a red or green feather standing saucily upright in front she may look exceedingly pretty and piquant and if she came there for a game of croquet or a tableau party would be all in very good taste but as she comes to confess that she is a miserable sinner that she has done the things she ought not to have done and left undone the things she ought to have done as she takes upon her lips most solemn and tremendous words whose meaning runs far beyond life into a sublime eternity there is a discrepancy which would be ludicrous if it were not melancholy one is apt to think at first view that saint jerome was right in saying she who comes in glittering veil to mourn her frailty still is frail but saint jerome was in the wrong after all for a flashy unsuitable attire in church is not always a mark of an undevout or entirely worldly mind it is simply a mark of raw uncultivated taste in italy the ecclesiastical law prescribing a uniform black dress for the churches gives a sort of education to european ideas of propriety and toilet which prevents churches from being made theatres for the same kind of display which is held to be in good taste at places of public amusement it is but justice to the inventors of parisian fashions to say that had they ever had the smallest idea of going to church and sunday school as our good girls do they would immediately have devised toilets appropriate to such exigencies if it were any part of their plan of life to appear statedly in public to confess themselves miserable sinners we should doubtless have sent over here the design of some graceful penitential habit which would give our places of worship a much more appropriate air than they now have as it is it would form a subject for such a court of inquiry and adaptation as we have supposed to draw a line between the costume of the theatre and the church in the same manner there is a want of appropriateness in the costume of our american women who display in the street promenade a style of dress and adornment originally intended for showy carriage drives in such great exhibition grounds as the bois de boulogne the makers of parisian fashions are not generally walkers they do not with all their extravagance have the bad taste to trail yards of silk and velvet over the mud and dirt of a pavement or promenade the street in a costume so pronounced and striking as to draw the involuntary glance of every eye and the showy toilets displayed on the pave by american young women have more than once exposed them to misconstruction in the eyes of foreign observers next to appropriateness 
the second requisite to beauty in dress i take to be unity of effect in speaking of the arrangement of rooms in the house and home papers i criticize some apartments wherein were many showy articles of furniture and much expense had been incurred because with all this there was no unity of result the carpet was costly and in itself handsome the paper was also in itself handsome and costly the tables and chairs also in themselves very elegant and yet owing to a want of any unity of idea any grand harmonizing tint of color or method of arrangement the rooms had a jumbled confused air and nothing about them seemed particularly pretty or effective i instance rooms where thousands of dollars had been spent which because of this defect never excited admiration and others in which the furniture was of the cheapest description but which always gave immediate and universal pleasure the same rule holds good in dress as in every apartment so in every toilet there should be one ground tone or dominant color which should rule all the others and there should be a general style of idea to which everything should be subjected we may illustrate the effect of this principle in a very familiar case it is generally conceded that the majority of women look better in mourning than they do in their ordinary apparel a comparatively plain person looks almost handsome in simple black now why is this simply because mourning requires a severe uniformity of color and idea and forbids the display of that variety of colors and objects which go to make up the ordinary female costume and which very few women have such skill in using as to produce really beautiful effects very similar results have been attained by the quaker costume which in spite of the quaint severity of the forms to which it adhered has always had a remarkable degree of becomingness because of its restriction to a few simple colors and to the absence of distracting ornament but the same effect which is produced in mourning or the quaker costume may be preserved in a style of dress admitting color and ornamentation a dress may have the richest fullness of color and still the tints may be so chastened and subdued as to produce the impression of a severe simplicity suppose for example a golden-haired blonde chooses for the ground tone of her toilet a deep shade of purple such as affords a good background for the hair and complexion the larger draperies of the costume being of this color the bonnet may be of a lighter shade of the same ornamented with lilac hyacinths shading insensibly towards rose color the effect of such a costume is simple even though there be much ornament because it is ornament artistically disposed towards a general result a dark shade of green being chosen as the ground tone of a dress the whole costume may in like manner be worked up through lighter and brighter shades of green in which rose-colored flowers may appear with the same impression of simple appropriateness that is made by the pink blossoms over the green leaves of a rose there have been times in france when the study of color produced artistic effects in costume worthy of attention and resulted in styles of dress of real beauty but the present corrupted state of morals there has introduced a corrupt taste in dress 
and it is worthy of thought that the decline of moral purity in society is often marked by the deterioration of the sense of artistic beauty corrupt and dissipated social epochs produce corrupt styles of architecture and corrupt styles of drawing and painting as might easily be illustrated by the history of art when the leaders of society have blunted their finer perceptions by dissipation and immorality they are incapable of feeling the beauties which come from delicate concords and truly artistic combinations they verge towards barbarism and require things that are strange odd dazzling and peculiar to captivate their jaded senses such we take to be the condition of parisian society now the tone of it is given by women who are essentially impudent and vulgar who override and overrule by the mere brute force of opulence and luxury women of finer natures and moral tone the court of france is a court of adventurers of parvenus and the palaces the toilets the equipage the entertainments of the mistresses outshine those of the lawful wives hence comes a style of dress which is in itself vulgar ostentatious pretentious without simplicity without unity seeking to dazzle by strange combinations and daring contrasts now when the fashions emanating from such a state of society come to our country where it has been too much the habit to put on and wear without dispute and without inquiry any or everything that france sends the results produced are often things to make one wonder a respectable man sitting quietly in church or other public assembly may be pardoned sometimes for indulging a silent sense of the ridiculous in the contemplation of the forest of bonnets which surround him as he humbly asks himself the question were these meant to cover the head to defend it or to ornament it and if they are intended for any of these purposes how i confess to me nothing is so surprising as the sort of things which well-bred women serenely wear on their heads with the idea that they are ornaments on my right hand sits a good-looking girl with a thing on her head which seems to consist mostly of bunches of grass straws with a confusion of lace in which sits a draggled bird looking as if the cat had had him before the lady in front of her sits another who has a glittering confusion of beads swinging hither and thither from a jaunty little structure of black and red velvet an anxious-looking matron appears under the high eaves of a bonnet with a gigantic crimson rose crushed down into a mass of tangled hair she is ornamented she has no doubt about it the fact is that a style of dress which allows the use of everything in heaven above or earth beneath requires more taste and skill in disposition than falls to the lot of most of the female sex to make it even tolerable in consequence the flowers fruits grass hay straw oats butterflies beads birds tinsel streamers jinglers lace bugles crape which seem to be appointed to form a covering for the female head very often appear in combinations so singular and the results taken in connection with all the rest of the costume are such 
that we really think the people who usually assemble in a quaker meeting-house are with their entire absence of ornament more becomingly attired than the majority of our public audiences for if one considers his own impression after having seen an assemblage of women dressed in quaker costume he will find it to be not of a confusion of twinkling finery but of many fair sweet faces of charming nice-looking women and not of articles of dress now this shows that the severe dress after all has better answered the true purpose of dress in setting forth the woman than our modern costume where the woman is but one item in a flying mass of colors and forms all of which distract attention from the faces they are supposed to adorn the dress of the philadelphian ladies has always been celebrated for its elegance of effect from the fact probably that the early quaker parentage of the city formed the eye and the taste of its women for uniform and simple styles of color and for purity and chastity of lines the most perfect toilets that have ever been achieved in america have probably been those of the class familiarly called the gay quakers children of quaker families who while abandoning the strict rules of the sect yet retained their modest and severe reticence relying on richness of material and soft harmonious coloring rather than striking and dazzling ornament the next source of beauty in dress is the impression of truthfulness and reality it is a well-known principle of the fine arts in all their branches that all shams and mere pretenses are to be rejected a truth which ruskin has shown with the full lustre of his many-colored prose poetry as stucco pretending to be marble and graining pretending to be wood are in false taste in building so false jewelry and cheap fineries of every kind are in bad taste so also is powder instead of natural complexion false hair instead of real and flesh painting of every description i have even the hardihood to think and assert in the presence of a generation whereof not one woman in twenty years her own hair that the simple short-cropped locks of rosa bonheur are in a more beautiful style of hair-dressing than the most elaborate edifice of curls rats and waterfalls that is erected on any fair head nowadays oh mr crowfield you hit us all now cried several voices i know it girls i know it i admit that you are all looking very pretty but i do maintain that you are none of you doing yourselves justice and that nature if you would only follow her would do better for you than all these elaborations a short crop of your own hair that you could brush out in ten minutes every morning would have a more real healthy beauty than the elaborate structures which cost you hours of time and give you the headache besides i speak of the short crop to put the case at the very lowest figure for many of you have lovely hair of different lengths and susceptible of a variety of arrangements if you did not suppose yourself obliged to build after a foreign pattern instead of following out the intentions of the great artist who made you is it necessary absolutely that every woman and girl should look exactly like every other one 
there are women whom nature makes with wavy or curly hair let them follow her there are those whom she makes with soft and smooth locks and with whom crinkling and craping is only a sham they look very pretty with it to be sure but after all is there any one style of beauty and might they not look prettier in cultivating the style which nature seemed to have intended for them as to the floods of false jewelry glass beads and tinsel finery which seem to be sweeping over the toilet of our women i must protest that they are vulgarizing the taste and having a seriously bad effect on the delicacy of artistic perception it is almost impossible to manage such material and give any kind of idea of neatness or purity for the least wear takes away their newness and of all disreputable things tumbled rumpled and tousled finery is the most disreputable a simple white muslin that can come fresh from the laundry every week is in point of real taste worth any amount of spangled tissues a plain straw bonnet with only a ribbon across it is in reality in better taste than rubbishy birds or butterflies or tinsel ornaments finally girls don't dress at haphazard for dress so far from being a matter of small consequence is in reality one of the fine arts so far from trivial that each country ought to have a style of its own and each individual such a liberty of modification of the general fashion as suits and befits her person her age her position in life and the kind of character she wishes to maintain the only motive in toilet which seems to have obtained much as yet among young girls is the very vague impulse to look stylish a desire which must answer for more vulgar dressing than one would wish to see if girls would rise above this and desire to express by their dress the attributes of true ladyhood nicety of eye fastidious neatness purity of taste truthfulness and sincerity of nature they might form each one for herself a style having its own individual beauty incapable of ever becoming common and vulgar a truly trained taste and eye would enable a lady to select from the permitted forms of fashion such as might be modified to her purposes always remembering that simplicity is safe that to attempt little and succeed is better than to attempt a great deal and fail and now girls i will finish by reciting to you the lines old ben jonson addressed to the pretty girls of his time which form an appropriate ending to my remarks still to be dressed as you were going to a feast still to be powdered still perfumed lady it is to be presumed though art's hid causes are not found all is not sweet all is not sound give me a look give me a face that makes simplicity a grace robes loosely flowing hair as free such sweet neglect more taketh me than all the adulteries of art that strike my eyes but not my heart End of chapter 10 What are the sources of beauty in dress?